Hello, rising entrepreneurs. You are listening to Student Entrepreneur 101. For today's episode, I will be speaking with Amber Sackett, the founder of Oddflower Creations. Amber is a graduate student at UCLA and decided to start her slow fashion brand right here in the heart of Westwood. When asked about Oddflower Creations, Amber shares that it is a slow fashion brand inspired by California's flora and architecture that handcrafts accessories for your ears, hair, and home. Today, we're going to discuss the ideation process, three steps you should take to develop your idea once you've got it, how Amber used her academic studies to influence the framework behind her fashion brand, and an introduction to the slow fashion industry. We have a lot to cover today, so keep listening to hear what Amber has to say about Oddflower Creations, her entrepreneurial journey, and insights you can use to take your own ideas and transform them into your next business. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Student Entrepreneur 101. This is your host, Rose Aguilar, and today I will be speaking with Amber Sackett, the founder of Oddflower Creations. Amber, please say hello and share one recent entrepreneurial experience you and your team have had. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Actually, right now, I we are wading through um, how to work with influencers. It's a very interesting um, experience. Wow. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, how exciting. Definitely taking advantage of those social media resources out there. That's definitely a great medium to reach um, potential consumers, expand the brand community. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of an influencer and working with influencers is a relatively new thing on the spectrum of like business advertising. And so it's been interesting to, because there's not really like a standard. And so And there are also so many levels of like what an influencer is. And so it's been a fun experience to try to navigate that. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations for taking that new step um, in your journey with Oddflower Creations. I want to jump right into the ideation process. If you could discuss a little bit about how, uh, what inspired you to start Oddflower Creations? Like what was your moment of inspiration? Yeah, I so I first started making jewelry and the reason I started creating jewelry was because my ears are actually stretched so or they're called gauged and I although I don't wear gauges anymore I couldn't find any earrings that were big and fun and bold that would fit in my ears but also that wouldn't hurt my ears. And so I had this kind of moment where I thought, you know, I think I could make make them. <laughs> And it was really as simple as that. Um, I recognized a need in myself. And then I also thought about other people that had really sensitive ears. And I I figured I could make make a change in that jewelry industry. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of finding a pain point um, in yourself and then finding it also, you know, figuring, hey, you know, maybe other people also have this issue and I'm going to put forward a solution. And for you, that looked like Oddflower Creations. That's amazing. Awesome. So I'm thinking like after you had your idea and like a vision for the jewelry you maybe wanted to create um, and at the point where maybe you wanted to expand beyond yourself, you know, you said maybe providing for other people with sensitive ears, then what? I mean, like many people can come up with ideas all the time, but sometimes, you know, life gets in the way. As students, we might say, oh, you know, balancing classes, clubs, work, internships, whatever it may be. Did you set your idea aside for a while or did you dive right in? 
That's truly the greatest question of my current existence right now. So I'm a graduate student at UCLA. I'm in my fourth year of a PhD program. And I started making jewelry in my second year of graduate school. And then in my third year of graduate school is when I officially launched my business. And still balancing my business with my studies and um, PhD programs are very demanding. And so being able to structure my time has been really, really hard for me to do just because I have some moments where all I want to do is work on my business. Um, And I still have to remember what my long-term goals are and what my priorities are. And so I think that time management has been the, the greatest exercise. And I do really believe that there you can do both. I know you mentioned you take on many roles. You wear many hats in your uh, brand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as of just recently, I wore every single hat all the time. And I, I still do um, just because, so my business partner, um, is relative, her name's Kelly. She's amazing. And she's relatively new to the the business. And it's been really fun for me to train her and to work with her because it's teaching somebody else, the skills that you've cultivated is a great exercise because it promotes a lot of self-reflection. And it also prompts you to reflect on, am I speaking clear? Am I communicating clearly? Because sometimes we have this idea in our head of what sounds right, but it's not actually as clear as it could be. And so it's an exercise in communication. It's an exercise in work ethics and what kind of culture that I want to have in my business. And also, yeah, teaching somebody else how to do art is is more difficult than it sounds as well. Wow. Yeah, I think, wow, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, on top of this, you've decided to take on, you know, start building your team. And that is a huge effort. What do you believe are the first three actionable steps um, that you think are important to take with your idea? You know, once you have something you believe in to start transforming it, you know, into an actual product or service. Yeah, I, it sounds kind of lame, but really the first thing I do is I think about it a lot. I think about it so much. Um, and maybe that's my PhD brain. I feel like I'm constantly balancing my, my PhD brain with my business brain and they're always talking to each other. But um, I think about it so much. I, I, I have to really think of it in, in so many different dimensions. I, that probably doesn't make sense. But so like for 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 my jewelry or but also for my homeware because we make other things now for your home your dorm room your bathroom all that kind of stuff to help you keep organized but I want I think so not only what does the product look like but like how is it going to feel how what's the texture going to be like what's it what is inspiring it um what how is the person buying it going to feel like how do I want to make them feel so I do a lot of thinking um and then I, I do also a lot of research. So I, I spent months and months and months perfecting um, different techniques. And so maybe I guess that step two is just, so step one is thinking about it. And step two is sort of doing this 
research, seeing what other people are doing, seeing maybe what the competition is, seeing what the pricing is, um, because I finance everything myself, which is, we don't, we have very small stipends as graduate students. So I am pretty thrifty. So I have to think about that too. But then also, I guess my third step of my ideation process is really embracing failure <laughs> because um, so for example, when I was learning how to work with resin, I messed up so many times because it's a complicated substance and you have to do it very precisely to get the outcome that you, the desired outcome. And I just try to embrace failure and, or if something breaks or if it doesn't cure right, or if I just don't like it, it's okay. And I try to make that like a friendly process rather than, um, I don't know, rather than criticizing myself or I, just getting angry or you just, I, I kind of accept that it's a part of the process and I believe that it will all balance itself out in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you bring up a great point, learning to accept failure, because I think what most people you know, may struggle with or maybe fail to realize at first is on the other side of failure is our next biggest success. You know, if you just, you know, you have the persistence, have the vision, it'll keep you going and eventually you'll overcome it. And that's amazing. I, I almost don't even want to say this, but I, failure has really made my business what it is. And because every, instead of looking at something as a failure, I look at it as, as an opportunity for reflection or an opportunity for different conversations or regrouping or like this kind of imagining period and ideation. Absolutely. Yeah. You bring a really great point, you know, especially as students, you know, if we're failing, we're learning. It's just, we, especially where we are now as students, this is a very important concept to come to terms with, accept, and really embrace, especially when entering the startup process or our entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah. And, and actually, so when I first started my business, I had this idea that they were going to be very separate. So I was like, okay, business, this part of me, school, this part of me. And really early on, I realized that they were talking to each other. And then now I, I really believe that they're completely interconnected. And yeah, it's interesting. My, my academic interests impact my business and my business teaches me skills that make my academic interests um, better or, or it advances my academic um, career as well. So that was a really surprising realization for me. Wow. It, yeah, it was humbling. It was very humbling. Wow, that's amazing. Really quick, could you provide like, you know, a specific example? Because I know as you bring up a really great point, especially for undergraduate students, figuring out their major, what they want to study, and then, you know, how is this going to apply after yeah. I graduate? When yeah. I get out, maybe when I start my own business, can, can you expand upon that? Yeah. yeah, so I have like a, um, a really nice example, and then I have a funny example. So the first thing is that, so my PhD research actually looks at a graphic novel series, but um, a French graphic novel series, and I look at the, I'm really interested in food and land and agriculture and identity. And so I'm constant, I'm looking at that for my research, but 
really that was something that started it inspired me to start asking questions about the biodiversity here in Los Angeles. And so since I go for these, I walk everywhere. I don't have a car on purpose. And I, um, I just, I love plants and flowers. And so I started seeing these, like not ugly, but these flowers that were growing in these like really kind of dirty places like under the highway and you know just in these like crevices in the sidewalk and I, I just they were so beautiful and so I started gathering them and and then I was like well where do these flowers come from and it turns out that most of the biodiversity here in Los Angeles actually doesn't come from Southern California at all it comes from all these different parts of the world and and so I started um, not only gathering these flowers and learning about them but then I started uh, infusing them into these hair clips that I was making. And so I make these, these hair clips that have these real flowers that I, I, I grow some on my balcony. And then I also gather them from around Los Angeles and I put them in these hair clips. And not only are they these like kind of sustainable, wearable nature accessories, but they also tell this, the story of Los Angeles and of all of these kind of capitalistic global colonial histories that we have all at play together here in Southern California. And I don't think I ever, my research, my academic research made the business, the act of making barrettes and gathering these flowers for my business. It really enriched that whole process because I love researching the flowers here. It's, it's fascinating. And so I guess that's like one way that, um, um, the sort of my academic skills taught me to like poke a little bit further and um, investigate a little bit and see how things intersect with other things. And, and so I love that. And then my silly example is, um, I swear that I, I had this moment where I realized on social, on social media, we have to I do a lot of research too with how to interact with people better on social media. So how, and, and it really is a science, like it's crazy. It blows my mind. Um, but I feel like just making like Instagram reels or captioning your photos or your stories or, you know, how you talk to people on social media, you have to be extremely clear and you have to be concise and you have to learn how can I make my point in like two lines? How can I, and, and that is actually a skill that I realized from my business that I was cultivating. And I was like, Hey, you know, I started realizing that that was that mentality was like trickling into how I would write my papers or how I would communicate with my students or how I would write emails to professors. And so there's this really wild overlap that's always happening for me. That's amazing. Wow, that's so incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Oh my goodness. You know, you found that intersection between your your passion for history, stories, and and the natural flora of LA and also, you know, your communications bringing that intersection between really that school life work balance. That's amazing. Um if we could dive now um, into the launch process. I want to discuss a little bit about any background or prior knowledge you had behind the startup process when launching Oddflower Creations. You know, in other words, did you know what you needed to do in order to launch? 
I I co-founded a kombucha company way back in in wow. the 2010s-ish. Um, and I was a part of the beginning process of that company. And but it's a complete absolutely different it does it's almost not even it's not even related because social media was hardly there and just and it was the food industry so it's a completely different process but I think I really truly just it was this like trial and error process and I was I tried to find other businesses that um we're doing it. And I was looking at, okay, so what are they doing and what's working for them? And I would, you know, I would kind of pick these little things that I thought were interesting and then I would try it and see, and then I would, you know, wait and analyze and see like, okay, how, and then I would regroup and restructure, but I truly didn't, I had no idea. I was, it was really scary. <laughs> um, and again, I just, I just kind of embraced the learning process, which included failure. And I've I've had launches of things that went pretty well, and I've had launches of things that didn't or did or just took a long time. And sometimes we when we go to launch something, we really overthink it. And I think it's important to remember that launching anything is not going to be perfect ever. I, I'm always, you know, I launch something and then I all of a sudden see these things that I need to change. And so Kelly and I are, you know, jumping on our computers and trying to like um, make adjustments and stuff. However, I will say that every launch gets a little bit easier and that's comforting. Yeah. <laughs> so just having another set of eyes also is incredibly important. I I just, I had some help from my partner, my, my personal partner. Um, but I, I really think it takes a village. Like you need, I can't, I could not do it by myself for forever. And I recognized that pretty early on. And so having another person, especially in when you're trying to either develop a new product or launch something, it's, it's really helpful in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And right there, you mentioned knowing and understanding that it would, you know, Oddflower Creations would grow beyond, like there would be scaling and understanding what that looks like, you know, bringing on more people. That's really great. Thank you. Getting a little more specific to Oddflower Creations, if you could talk a little bit, a little bit about how you have embraced the slow fashion movement as a part of your brand. And like, for those who don't know, if you could explain what it is and like why you decided Oddflower Creations was going to um, be built using it. I think slow fashion is really just about asking important questions. Who made this? Where was it made? Was that person being compensated ethically for their labor? Were those materials, um, like, how is the supply chain? Were those materials extracted to hurt the environment? Are they extracted with mineral uh, minimal impact are they you know what what's the carbon footprint of this and slow and and that's kind of what I think the pillars of slow fashion are because we know that like the clothing industry uses so much water and it has a, it, one of the largest carbon footprints whether it be waste in landfills whether it be 
um, chemical offsets from coloring our fabrics. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have a business that I could feel really good about. And I view it as almost like this ladder that we're climbing up because it took some time for us to find the resources that we wanted to use, um, to find the packaging material that we felt comfortable with. Um, and also within those supply chains, like how could we reuse some of the materials that were extra and oh and then also I think the hardest part was like how do we price our products it's very very hard to compete with the fast fashion industry and the important thing is for that I realized was don't don't compete with it because you can't I'll never be able to compete with Target ever and that's okay because I that's not my target market. It's not my market. And, um, and so I think knowing who your target market is, is extremely important and not only who they are, but like, how do you find them? Where are they physically going? Where are they going on the internet? What kind of, um, yeah. How do you connect with them? And it took a while to really find that. And, also, another thing I think that's important in the slow fashion industry is that you're not going to be for everybody and everyone's not for you. And so because you have, you know, these, your time is valuable, but also so are your materials. And I think it's important to realize that you just, like, I, I make really specific designs and I know that not everybody likes them. Yes. Wow. Thank you. That was so insightful. You, you know, you really drove the point home, understanding the value of your product, the value of your, your brand values, but more importantly, not compromising because you understand who your ideal customer is. And I think that's so important, you know, especially for those just starting out, figuring out, okay, well, who will, what can I bring that people will want? Mm -hmm. And so many times it's the other way around what can I bring and who will want it you know understanding who because you have an ideal customer and you you know there is a market for you that's out there and you know there's no need and no really no need to you know compromise your your values your goals your mission for that because they will they will come to you with with marketing and you know the and that that human connection Sometime before we go, I want to just talk about something that I'm, I'm, we're, we're dreaming up right now, which is this, Absolutely. um, we're, we're sort of dreaming up how to different ways to connect with our other artists and other make makers in our, um, not just in our area, but just, um, well, so we're dream we're dreaming of this idea that we are sort of nicknaming lovingly the odd flower collective. And the whole reason that we wanted to do this is that it's really hard to start a business. And one day it's my dream in the future to have this sort of like physical collection collective where we um, have a space, a studio, because right now I'm truly working at my kitchen table. And, um, and we're just dreaming of these ways that we can connect with other makers and grow, grow together. And 
when we come together, we're stronger and we have more ideas and we are more creative and we're more innovative. And yeah, it, when we're, when we're separate, we're just limited to ourselves. And, and sometimes that's not always best. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, you know, your vision for the future. That is amazing. You mentioned so many different key valuable players, you know, you're bringing together environmental consciousness, ethical consciousness, supporting the community by providing your, your, your products and supporting the artist community by creating a collective and visioning a collective for the future. That is so amazing. You are doing wonderful work. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. And your your dream really that was that was amazing. Um, now now to close, um, can you share? You've shared so much value, so many wonderful insights, great experiences that everyone here can learn from. Can you share one final word of advice for students out there waiting to start their own business? What what did you wish you knew when you were starting out with Oddflower Creations? I wish I had, actually, I just wish I had more confidence in my products in the beginning. Um, in the in the beginning, I was sort of like, you're going to buy this thing that I made? Really? Really? You're going to? And now, and, um, and I also wish that I knew that it's okay to not know everything because you will learn so much. I, I think I have learned I always joke that like I got a business, I, I like got a business degree <laughs> in the past year and a half because I, I just, I learned so much by doing, and there's a lot you can learn through textbooks and through research, but a lot of things you can only learn by doing. So I guess that's two, sorry. Um. Well, that, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so great. Wow. Yes, learn by doing. And, you know, it's amazing. You, you mentioned, you know, wishing you had more confidence. That transformation will come, you know. It's just you have to get out there, go learn, fail, but learn. And, you know, that that will come to you. And people do value what you have to bring. I think that's really yeah. an important thing. Like whatever you have to offer, there is a community out there just waiting to find a product or service that, that yeah. you are providing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights, your story, your story, your very and your very incredible experiences. You've shared so much with us today, provided so many um, really great insights for everyone out there wondering how, where do you start? How do you begin? And congratulations on everything you are doing. I wish you much success. You are building a very powerful and empowering movement. Thank you. Um, please. If anyone is listening to this and they have any questions, I find a lot of joy in, in helping people. So please reach out to me via Instagram at Oddflower Creations um, or at you could email me at um, oddflowercreations at gmail.com. Um, or if you happen to run into us at the Westwood Farmers Market or the Melrose Trading Post, please connect with, with us. I, we'd love to help and share our knowledge should never be kept private. So we're, we're always happy to, to talk. Yes, absolutely. The links um, to the social media, the website will be provided in the episode description below. So definitely check those out. Come out to the Westwood Farmers Market. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
That's the end of this episode with Student Entrepreneur 101. Today, we learned the story behind Oddflower Creations and valuable insights to the entrepreneurial process. Stay tuned for the next episode because we have even more stories, insights, and value to share with you coming soon.